right. Welcome back to another episode of Business Intelligence. My name is Rohan, and I'm here with Wei Chang Wong. How are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm doing fantastic. Well, uh, nice to have you with me, and uh, very glad that we have this opportunity to, to do another episode. So, uh, what is new? Like every time I ask people what's new, it's it's almost like a rhetorical question because everything. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. And, and I would love to kind of talk about these new things with you because I love your, your takes on, um, all the aspects of, of, uh, what I do for work and what the industry is going for, you know? Um, so in this new segment of we ask Wei Chung, essentially, <laughs> I bring to you this, this very cool story I read. Um, so uh, are you are you familiar with uh, Disney's uh, Loki, the TV show? No, actually not. So you're, okay. you're going to try to surprise me, I guess, because <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared at all of what the no. questions that you bring to the table this time. But uh, I go to not. I yes, I do want to. I do want to surprise you. So Loki uh, is a TV show. It's it's Marvel, Disney. You know, big budget, uh, big actors, um, and it's on a platform. Uh, which has seemingly uh, the platform's licensing rules uh, regarding AI-generated content. Um, So as you can tell, we're already talking about AI-generated content. Essentially, uh, the story was that Loki's recent poster, um, like the main poster, uh, was made with the help of AI-generated content. And this small story, like it was maybe like a background, maybe like something that was used um, as one of the elements in the poster that someone else recognized that it was AI generated. And this tweet, like this, this blew up on Twitter and people were like talking about it. They were like, how is Disney using AI generated content without giving the right credit to the right, uh, the creators of the image and things like that. And, and this is when like AI just got mainstream. Right. We've always talked about like the niche AI ba- battles in court of like licensing rights, copyright. But this is a show that millions of people watch and it's right. produced by Disney and Marvel on Disney Plus, which is such a big platform now has to, to deal and talk about AI. So this is this is my, you know, uh, my my exhibit A. Right. And I bring to you exhibit B, which which happened a couple months ago. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I was scrolling on Instagram or Twitter or, or threads um, and I saw I saw this I saw this photo of the Pope. I don't know if you've uh, seen this, but I saw this photo of the Pope in a in a in a very cool looking uh, jacket and I just scrolled past it and a few weeks later I realized that that photo of the Pope was not real. It was AI generated content, but millions of people thought it was real. And to me, as a graphic designer, as a multimedia professional, that just blew my mind because I thought something like that was at least a few years away. So, right, 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 you know, with right. that said, I wanted to wanted to bring you uh, a question. Uh, so given your 20 plus years of experience in the industry, you've been in the game, you've been an entrepreneur, a professor, an economist, um, been in this game for so long. Have you seen anything like this before? Something that is so dramatically changing the industry? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I will say, Rohan, every time when new technology uh, is being invented, uh, is always different, 
right? Every time is different. Every time is groundbreaking, talking about the invention of internet, the proliferation of personal computers, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the 20th, 20th century, refrigeration it, uh, technology was a new thing. Right. That actually freaked a lot of people out because especially there was an industry um, called ice harvesting industry. And right. they, their business model is to really go to the North Pole and haul ice so that, you know, people could have a proper way to freeze their... their oh, food. ice harvesting. I thought like ice factories... I didn't even know about ice harvesting. Okay. And then and and at the time those people were trying to convince the public that refrigeration in uh technology was not natural and that's not a good thing because they wanted okay. to protect their jobs. So this right. is not something new. And as an economist, yeah. I could also tell you that again, in the beginning of the 20th century, roughly 40% of 50% of the labor force were mm-hmm. in the agriculture industry. Right. And then the introduction of agriculture machinery and new technology, harvesting technology, planting technology, that actually drove a lot of people out of the labor force. A lot of people lost their jobs. But if you look at today, we have less than 2% of the labor force that's still in the agriculture industry, but there's no shortage of food. To borrow what uh, my fellow labor economist, uh, Professor David Otter, said in one of his TED Talks, this is certainly not because that we're not eating, we're eating less. Right. It's because, you know, now we have better technology and we don't need that much people. The productivity level has increased so much. Now, coming back to your question. So your question is whether or not uh, this is going to affect us, right? So, well, AI-generated content. Yeah. Right? So and- so my essentially my follow-up question to that was, as a multimedia professional, I do think about this often, and I wonder if, like back in the day, the operator thought, uh, the phone operator, whenever uh, the automated answering machine was invented, the operator thought that, uh, you know, that his job is going to go away. And I'm thinking here, I chose a creative profession. Machines are no way machines are going to come for my job. And here I am uh, watching Adobe uh, release products that, our generative video and generative photography. And then I've seen, uh, obviously we have examples of <clears throat> chat GPT and Google's Bard that can do generative uh, text. So these things have, have gotten on par with a lot of um, what we what we have considered the creative right. industry. So I've always wondered, you know, what, and, and this is really interesting for the next generation of, of like right. students who are looking to choose a profession that is, are going to be sustainable in the long run with technology being a big factor. What should we think about um, this technology? Is it something that is going to come here for our jobs? And is it going to replace us? But what does that look like when it, if it does do that? And if it does not replace us, why is that? So I, I have to be very honest with you. I do not have a crystal ball sitting in front of me knowing exactly what's going to happen. Oh, I wish we did. No, <laughs> no I wish we did, right? But uh, what I can tell you is that based, based on historical uh, experiences and what we yeah. had uh, gone through, every time when there is new technology being introduced to the marketplace, some jobs will be lost. That is for sure. Right. right. In the 1970s, when the uh, ATM uh, was introduced, a lot of bank tellers lost their jobs. Right. But majority of them actually repositioned themselves to take on 
better jobs, or I'm talking about better paying jobs, jobs that require more uh, creative process. And now all those bank tellers are selling financial services that didn't previously exist, right? right. All those bank tellers that were being replaced by ATM, the simple functions, they were gone. But the, the people that uh, got to stay were able to advance their skills to now know how to help clients fill up credit card applications, how to promote all these different financial vehicles, instruments um, to, to better the industry. So in a sense that they are, they are creating more business value. So coming back to what you said, what is the, the thing that creative professionals do that are off value is the question. Right. So it, it may seem that I'm using a question to respond to your question, but at the, at the time, it's really critical in any in any work that we do, we always have to keep reiterating the, the value proposition, right? So talking about the Pope wearing a jacket, who gave AI that prompt? Right. It is the humans that gave AI the prompt, right? And, you know, as, as um, kind of like a semi-layman in the artificial intelligence technology, I could tell you that, yes, there is supervised artificial intelligence. There is also unsupervised artificial intelligence. And maybe when we advance our computing power enough and algorithm enough, there will be artificial intelligence technology or computers that even replace the process of giving the prompts. But then again, shouldn't that be a good timing for us to reflect upon ourselves? So what is the creative value add that we have? Now, being the creative professionals, isn't that the, the, the most important thing the whole training process is about? That is to make you creative and and now we have all these tools now i will also say that every time is different like i said right every time when there's new technology being invented everybody hypes about it right. i still vividly remember when 3d printing was introduced everybody was <laughs> so hyped about that right, right? Yes. and then yeah. then it kind of went it, it kind of went down and and, and went away and adjusted to the market essentially correct correct I do not think, I'm not comparing artificial intelligence against 3D printing. That wasn't mm -hmm. the purpose. But having said that, why the reason I brought 3D printing out was because I want people to think about why 3D printing went away. Mm. It is because of the business value. That technology wasn't able to, I want to say, um, um, amass enough support from the public to create the business value that it deserves. It might deserve better, it might deserve less, but the truth of the harsh reality is it didn't commend the business value sufficient enough for it to sustain. AI, on the other hand, has a lot of command and power to create business value and take the Disney example that you just mentioned, um, you know, as, as an instance, you know, the whole thing was created by AI and it commanded a tremendous amount of business value in the marketplace. Right. And, and because of that, so talking about how creative professionals could adapt to this new norm, we have to really focus on the business value creation. What is the creativity? What is the value add that you bring to the table? Right. No, that is, yeah, thank you for, you know, confirming all my biases of AI will not replace my my job. Right. Um, and I think it's it's interesting you mentioned uh, 3D printing. Uh, just like 3D printing, every time a new technology is kind of out and about, anytime there is a new hype, 
right? There was uh, everything from crypto to NFT to AI. Before that, 3D printing to even, you know, we can get into like electric cars to um, anytime there is a new new and upcoming technology that is there to uh, potentially disrupt the industry and market. Uh, what are people, people tend to go all in, people tend to um, like think of it as like the game changing, but I've noticed with certain things, you know, for example, crypto and NFT, like if people thought it was the next, next biggest thing, but clearly it's not caught on or doesn't have that much business value as people thought it was. So what is like a, is that, is that, do we take that as a cautionary tale? And then should we look at AI in the same kind of cautionary way that like, hey, maybe um, like we are trying to find business value out of it. We are getting there. Uh, and should we go all in or or what should we focus on instead to kind of like while taking advantage of this technology still be uh, providing that that entrance, the value that we create? Right. So I have a very humble take on how we uh, leverage AI. Let's start small. Like people love to talk about like big things, right? Like, especially like big companies, uh, all we see, Disney, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, they take on big tasks. That is because they can, right? They have the resources, they have the infrastructure, and there are certain things that could only be done by them. We as individuals or small to mid-sized business owners do not have that. And I'd like telling my uh, my clients that do not overthink it if in discussing this ai in figuring out how this ai works start small can we identify ai tools that help with our day-to-day -day? start small uh we're talking about yeah. automating the workflow um you know as a creative professionals can ai help me with the scripting can ai help me with storyboarding can ai uh, come up with images that are not uh, copyrighted for me to maybe use uh, some part of it, right? And that is the small thing you can do so that you don't get left behind. But your true value is not, you know, your true value could be even just leveraging the pieces and bits of different AI tools. That could be a value. Right. Or... If you, if you already identified the core value, then you need to leverage the tools, existing tools that help you establish and maybe solidify and strengthen that core value even more. And so without thinking too much, without, you know, uh, going after the, the big grand goals, start small. It is the creative process that creates the value add. And I hope people understand that more. It is not just the creative professionals, business professionals too, right? It doesn't matter whether you have a good uh, and comprehension about AI. It's about how you could leverage it. Um, and it, you don't have to be an expert or an instructor in the AI technology. Right. Yes. Yeah. So no, that is a that is a great point to bring up because there are countless tools that are genuinely helpful. And just like you mentioned, the bank teller whose job was just to do a simple task of, you know, dispensing cash to the person who's asking for it. Similarly, there are tasks in the creative field and in our digital marketing and in our website design that can leverage the use of AI because there are many simple tools out there 
And I think there is a value in in staying in the know with the in in in, in the industry, right? And and not falling behind for a lot of small businesses, for agencies out there, for designers and and multimedia producers. So some of the tools that that we've kind of leveraged have definitely empowered us more than uh, made us fear of our jobs. I would say, uh, right. You know, and and I, as a video person myself, I look at, I used to do, and this is getting a little technical in the video world, but for example, if someone had to be green screened, you know, if, if you had to remove a, a subject for, and replace the background, you needed to like create a green screen production set. Nowadays, you don't have to do that because the generative AI has gotten so good where you can just pick a subject and it's going to remove the background by itself. And that was hours of manual labor that now I can put into creative thinking and strategizing of the video, right? So what do you bring up really, really resonated with me in terms of like, like all those hours wasted into me masking around the subject and green screening has now gone into uh, more creative hours where I can think and strategize. And I think there's, there's I, value in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope that you're not using the, the hours that you save to just twist your thumbs and sitting idle, right? I mean, obviously you're doing right. real work and probably more enjoyable work. And that's what the AI is doing. And quite honestly, if you look into to the history, every time when there is new technology that, that, that was introduced, the productivity level increases because people, human beings were able to be free from the more mundane tasks. Correct. That is why we're we're sitting here podcasting, <laughs> thanks to the technology of web camera, uh, microphone, and, and internet, and high speed internet. Right now, now I, I wanted to take a moment to go back to what you uh, what your example uh, talked about Disney. Yeah, um, it, you know Disney is such an interesting uh, case because the whole idea of Disney is this real fake thing. Right. Is it is it real fake, real real, or fake real? Right, <laughs> Disney from the get go, the establishment of that business has always been perpetrating this idea of real fake. You go to the Disney World, Disneyland, everything's fake, but it seems so real. That is right. the happiest place on earth. <laughs> so I think it's so fitting for for Disney to utilize this technology to create uh, all these real fake things. That so, yeah. <laughs> right? are not even backed by humans, right? But what, what's the what's the worry about that? I mean, obviously, we could uh, start another ep episode uh, discussing the philosophical aspect of it. Right? So, what is How do we define human beings? How do we define uh, man-made uh, work and progress? But right. at the day. If, if you understand the core value and mission of Disney, it's providing entertainment venues for people to enjoy. Who is it to say that we don't enjoy Disney's work? I, I personally, guilty as charged. Yeah. Right. Um, and so artificial intelligence, yes, we are creating a lot of the quote I call fake stuff, but how do we define fake? Artificial intelligence, this technology was invented by humans. Right, yes. In the grand scheme of things, it was made by uh, creative people, be it by a code or by a prompting. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, I that is a, definitely a more philosophical argument there for sure. <laughs> yeah, we could we could obviously start something brand new that talked about the philosophical aspect of it. But you know, since we're talking about business, at the end of the day, I mean, if you want me to to predict 
where this is going. I could say that when the mundane tasks are being taken care of, then hopefully people would have more capacity and bandwidth to come up with more brilliant and creative ideas that, that could benefit, that could deliver more value. And, and it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't necessarily have to be business value. Right. right. Like how many times have we come across this one thing and that got us to think, right? And, and exactly. that to me is an advancement in my quality of life. Right, because I'm certainly not sitting idle, twisting my thumbs. Right? Yeah, I think um, what you bring, what you bring up, uh, very. I think I can uh, picture it um, because you know how everybody says, "Oh, I wish I had more time," yes. right? And I think, I think uh, the technologies that have been created both hundreds and thousands of years ago until today with AI is essentially helping us like make more time out of our days right and in this world of of creative writing of of multimedia social media being dominating the marketing world uh, and content being generated and video being produced using ai to create more time so that i can do creative work is is the value i see in ai right, right. using a faster tool uh, right. so that i have the t the, the luxury of time to put into the strategizing and creative is like, oh, that's it. I think it's a tool to make more time. I, I think you're absolutely right in that. However, I would also bring something that probably people tend not to think about. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, in in the beginning of the, uh, I, I want to say the world after industrial revolution, people were looking, for, people were looking, for, have been looking for a structure to set up a parameters of, uh, and understand how we should work. Right. right. And as an economist, I could tell you that the standard work week was a very important thing that was invented, right? Right now it's right. 40 weeks per week, right? In some European countries, there's 35 hours, uh, 35 hour work weeks. And I think in the United States, a lot of people are talking about how we could keep shortening the work week. That is the structure that we invented to accommodate the post-industrial revolution world. Right. And that is also how we calculate and measure productivity. Since we're talking about AI, since we're talking about how people always want to be freed um, and, and have more time to ourselves, just look at ourselves. Ask ourselves a very honest question, especially in the post-pandemic world. How much of the work that we do is still confined in the night of five or night of six standard work week? Right. We are constantly leashed because of all these technology and devices. And now with AI, yes, it seems like the structure is changing, but I don't think that the, 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 the hour, the working hours, the line between working hours and leisure is so blurred right now that people tend not to think about it. And I'll, I'll guilty as charged about five, six, seven years ago, I started doing away with the out of office automatic message in my email because it doesn't make any <laughs> it doesn't make any good use for me you know people still look for right look for me for for answers sometimes and um and and that is i think i recognize that's my value the reason yeah. why i mentioned that was because i think it's time if we were to you know have a little bit of forward thinking that is any technology include particularly ai how is that going to revolutionize and change our perspective towards 
work, the idea of work. Right. There's no line, right? Correct. It's so easy, right? For the past couple hundred years, right? Like the idea of what is normal has been derived from a post-industrialization world. And that is what the normal is today. But that's only because of some of those things that have happened for us to to fit a uh, a lifestyle that the industry and the world needed. Um, and, you know, that's how we consider things normal in, in more than just business. Right. In many things, you know, like we consider things normal because they've been happening for a long time now. But they often started at a point before which it was not normal to have a nine to five. Right. So that's a very interesting kind of uh, perspective to bring in the AI, uh, AI, mid AI and post AI world. Uh, and again, I'm going to borrow what my fellow labor economist, Professor David Otter said in his TED talk, because that really, that TED talk really resonated a lot with me. I think that TED talk was published in 2016. And it, the theme of the TED talk was on whether the new technology is going to replace our jobs or replace human beings. So it's right. very on topic, right? And, and some of the things that, that he said really, again, resonated and, and, and stick with me. And, and, and one thing that he said was this, I think our society has become increasingly stratified. We have a big group of people um, that, are being that are still being confined by the standard uh, work week, the system, the institution, they're still working fixed hours, right? And and um, and they are not the ones that that will benefit from the, any introduction of the technology because their jobs are very confined and defined, right? Right. So talking about, for example, the the Amazon deliveries that you order on a daily basis, they're being taken care of by the warehouse workers. Yeah. Right. Um, and they're they're the 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 way that they work would be impacted less by the technology that we are talking about right now oh uh, correct yes i and agree a, with you a lot yeah and a lot of people are working in those types of jobs being confined by the institution or right. to see the benefit of the group of of people on the other end of the spectrum and the the people on the other end of the spectrum are not being confined by the institution to a lesser extent at least. Correct. Yes. Or they're probably also making more return in the market. Right. And, and yeah, that again, when, when I heard that, it was like, you know what? It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, is it, is it reasonable? That's a topic for another day, but that at, at least helps explain what we're seeing in today's world. I see. No, hundred percent. But, but my challenge to you is my, well, just like most technology has replaced a lot of manual labor or even creative and mundane work today, isn't it just a matter of time before um, most of it will be replaced by automation uh, at a point where like the, when it gets cheaper to hire right. a machine than to do hire a person is when it makes economic and business sense to hire a machine. So isn't it just a matter of time where things are more feasible and technology's reached a point where we don't need, uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, Amazon warehouses experiment with drone deliveries and things like that. So is that 
Like, is that something that um, you see as a, a like, I, you know, coming back from to our beginning topic, like every technology disrupts, but it also creates more opportunities, um, you know? So what, what is your Absolutely. take on that? I think it's inevitable. Um, about a decade or maybe a decade and a half ago, Bill Gates actually came out with this bull idea, right? And he, where he sat at the time, 10, 15 years ago, like he, maybe just less than 10 years ago, um, you know, I would hate this. I would hate to think that he's an oracle that, that, that was able to predict everything, right? <laughs> um, less than 10 years ago, he came out to propose this outrageous idea that got, sl- that got slammed by economists. And the idea that Bill Gates proposed at the time was that, you know, since we already are forecasting and predicting that robots will, will replace our jobs, we should try to find a way to text the robots so that the text that we, uh, we collect from the robots would be then used to take care of uh, the people who lost jobs due to the introduction of robots, right? And, and that actually resonated a lot with uh, uh, people that didn't have any economic training, right? But if you come to think about it, Larry Summers, the former uh, president of Harvard University, who's also an economist, came out to, to slam on the idea, saying that, so who's paying the taxes? It is the capital owners that are paying the taxes. Right. So essentially, you are you're trying to penalize. Making it more expensive. So, but, yes. but, so I guess, I mean, to me, it seems like that is preventing us from getting to the inflection point in the first place where machines are not able to replace humans because it still remains expensive to hire a machine with the added tax, right? right. Say there is, let's say that exactly. in a fictional society, there is an automation or AI tax. So if you use AI, you're supposed to, you're going to get taxed on the services that you are selling. So your cost of goods sold is going to increase uh, which is going to prevent you from hiring a machine in the first place, which is going to hire people, which right. which in, in the short term, it seems like it is a great thing because employment is going up. But in the long term, when you think about all the manual labor that is created, all the mundane work that the AI could have been doing, like think about if like, uh, like during, uh, you know, like the bank teller example, right? Say there was a, a tax for having an ATM machine. Of how would that affect? Like, there would be fewer ATM machines in the world, and that would be more problematic for us yes. in the short. Yes. You know what I mean? And then people yeah, do. would I not do. be able to go get money out of their or ATM machines twenty four seven, and that would be uh, something to just like think about the long term impact of like you, you introducing a yeah. tax. Exactly, and you you know what? That is actually the point that every time economists, especially, trying to make. Oh, okay. te- the world, the world is always confused by the combination of two problems. All right. The, the first problem is how we create value. The second problem is how do, how do we distribute the benefit Correct. of, of value? Right. And we, we tend to combine these two by looking at the problems in a, in a singular way saying that, oh, you know what? If we cannot evenly distribute the benefit or find a way or rationale to justify the way that we distribute the benefit, let's do away with creating value. Let's not have it at all. How does that making sense? Right. Why can't we focus on creating value first, maximize the value and worry about approaches that help distribute the benefit of the value? 
we should look at these issues separately. Because if you were worry about, if you get caught up with just the distribution and you decide to take the extreme route by saying, let's not create value at all, mm-hmm. then let's go back to the Stone Age. Exactly, yes. Right? Makes sense. And, and I think right now, we, we talk about, you know, liberals, conservatives, the right wing, left wing. Again, it gets philosophical pretty quickly. But but I, I think what we need to focus on is how do we push this world forward? How do we define forward thinking? Are we are we viewing technology as this vice or are we viewing technology as the facilitator? Right. And do not get me wrong, because I can easily get labeled by by, you know, people calling me out as uh, as a, a left wing or right wing. But I mean, the dichotomy might said really bothers me. Right. And, you know, there's always like, first of all, the dichotomy, dichotomy mindset, but also uh, everything can be looked at from a political lens, from a philosophical lens. But sometimes like the argument can be just the argument you're making for, you know, in a general sense. Right. Correct. So I, I totally see your point um, with with providing value, creating value um, with you know, wanting at the two separate issues of creating value, maximizing that, and then distributing value. These are two separate issues, both equally important, but I don't think we should get caught up in one uh, because yeah. the other won't work, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that is- I believe. Yeah, and I think that that ties back really well into into generative AI, especially uh, in, in my life, as, I, as I'm learning to use more and more AI tools, uh, I used to think, oh, it, it was a vice that's here to take my job, but I, I see it more as a tool that's here to help me do my job better. And I think that's a that's a good perspective for a lot of uh, small business owners to have, a lot of designers like myself, a lot of um, agencies out there to kind of employ. But no, yeah, that that's kind of what we what we aim to hope aim to aim to achieve with this segment um, with uh, called Ask an Economist, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, it's always it's always very interesting to get an economics I, I did, perspective. Yes, yeah, of course. I did mention a lot of ec- economics uh, topics, um, and, and and I borrow a lot of economic frameworks to answer your questions. But uh, I, I would hate to just label myself as an economist. just an economist, right? It, <laughs> we we're living in a very interesting world, and you know, hopefully, our business experiences benefit. Uh, the listener uh, in you and uh, you uh, appreciate our insight and and observations. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed and we will be back next week with another co-host talking with Wei Chang about something that has been on their mind. All right. We'll see you then.